Hey everyone, this is Kevin. Welcome to another episode of Ableton Cast. Just a few quick shout outs. As always, gotta say thank you so much to Recording Studio Rockstars podcast. Lidge, love what you do. Thank you for your support. Thanks to Tao Audio, Cherry Audio, and thanks to DrumSampleShop.com. So guys, Black Friday went by, Christmas went by, and I actually managed to be really disciplined and not buy a single plugin. Now I'm actually quite proud of myself. You might feel sorry for me, but uh, I just thought I've got so many great plugins already. Why not just like try and get really familiar with the tools that I got? Speaking of tools, has anybody seen the new series, The Tiger King? I actually haven't. Really excited. Really looking forward to it. So no spoiler alerts, okay? Um, guys, in a moment, uh, my main man, Dan, is going to take over. And I just wanted to say a special thanks to Dan for being so willing to help out. He's, um, yeah, he's just totally on board with Ableton, loves it and wants to see everybody sort of like, you know, get, get the information, get access and do the best that they can. So anyways, Dan, thank you so much. Could not do this without you. You're Batman. I am Robin. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 31 of Ableton Cast. First things first, if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, follow wherever you get your podcasts and share it with people who might also be interested in hearing all things Ableton. So this month's guest is a producer uh, called Noah Lloyd. Noah is based in Nashville and he's done work for Cymatics and other similar companies where he kind of creates sample packs and makes sounds. Um, I have such a lack of knowledge about like creating sounds uh, like, you know, kick drums, synths, that kind of thing. Um, So I learned a huge amount in this episode from him uh, regarding that. And he also writes and produces his own EDM. So without further ado, here's the episode. Cool, man. Um, Like I say, thanks so much for for taking the time to to come on the podcast and, and just chat. It's, you know, great to great to chat to as many Ableton lovers and users as possible. So... There's a lot of them out there. There's loads. Yeah, there's loads. So um, I guess let's start with like, uh, you know, how you got started with a- uh, music and how that led you into Ableton. So just give us like a bit of a backstory. Well, I started music when I was 13. So I was in middle school um, and a, f- a friend from church, uh, he was in the band at church and he knew this software called uh at the time it was called Fruity Loops. And he put it on my my mom's computer. And all I had was stock sounds. I had no concept of samples or presets. I just thought that, okay, these are the sounds that it comes with and that's it. So for about two years, I've just made beats on my mom's laptop with stock sounds and Fruity Loops. And I just did it consistently. It was just like, I mean, I don't even really, I didn't have any, any sort of concept of what like oh maybe someday i'll be a dj or something it was just never it was that never crossed my mind i didn't i didn't even know that there were uh people who i didn't it didn't cross my mind that people made beats in pop music so i'm like okay so i just did that and then um and then i uh, over the years like transitioning into ableton i went from f fl to reason I was in when I was 16. I moved to Reason because uh, somebody I met at a music camp um, showed me Reason and, and showed me that you could have presets and drum sounds and all that. So I thought that was cool. And then my buddy, who um, who started Haterade with me, which is the music project I currently have now, um, he was like, "You got to switch to Ableton." And I was like, eh, "I've already switched Dawes already. Like, I don't want to do it again." And he's like just you need to do it and then he showed me like uh this was at the time like 2000 2012 so i've been trying to get the 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 dubstep sound out of reason and it was just so much harder to do without using massive from native instruments so i was like all right i'm gonna make the switch i switched to ableton and boy am i glad i switched to ableton it's 
it's a, it's the good life. I try to go back to FL and I'm just like, what are you doing? Do you have to like have separate clips for your automation? What is this? <laughs> yeah, I have no experience with FL. I've I've uh, either used Logic and then came to Ableton later, so I've never never used that one. Um, Wicked. What version of uh, Ableton did you first use? Uh, eight. It's live eight. Live eight. That was because nice. uh, yeah, it was a, it was a big deal when uh, Ableton. What you were able to curve the automation lines. I remember that when Live Nine came out. I was like, oh my gosh, it's like the next big thing. Um, and then that was I think I think that was when Audio to MIDI became a function too in Live Nine. That was a yeah, but I remember the transition from I came in right at the back end of Live Eight into Live Nine. Sweet. Um, and do you mostly what do you mostly use Ableton for? Is it like primarily in the studio, or do you take it out live? And if you do, how does that work for you? I I have never I've never used Ableton as a live tool, which I know is kind of funny because that's what it was designed for. But I just um, yeah, it's mostly just production in in the box production i don't have any outboard gear either just just me and my computer nice um cool and is that mostly do you, do you ever record like instruments into it uh i don't know how to play instruments so okay <laughs> so i not, not me like sometimes i'll have a buddy over who knows how to play guitar and he'll plug guitar into ableton and we'll record it and i'll process it just like any other audio but um yeah i don't i do everything like everything in the box in the box I, so it's I, like kind of beat beat making essentially that you're doing yeah and lo stuff, lots yeah. of sound design stuff too oh sweet tell me more about that uh well i'm i work for a part of what i do is, is freelance sound design for sample pack companies so you familiar with cymatics yes okay so i do a sound design for them so like building drums out, um, you know, sometimes they'll need loops or presets or or whatever. So I do that for Cymatics and a few other few other companies. Echo Soundworks is another one I do that for. Um, and and yeah, that was so I use Ableton for that. Ableton's so good for sound design workflow. It's just the creativity and the the options. It's just there's it's unrivaled in my opinion. Nice. Sweet. And do you work in session view or arrangement view mostly? Arrangement view. I I don't know how people work in session view. I know that there's a workflow there, but I just I yeah, it's not how my my brain works. I work I I started uh, going from uh, when I was in college, I wanted to I wanted to make movies. This is like right at the time I discovered that people actually listen to EDM, which was essentially beats with no vocals, which I hit to to me was like a mind, like mind boggling that that was a thing. But at the time I was like on track to go into the movie business and arrangement view is really similar to the timeline of editing a film. So it made more sense to me that way. Yeah, uh, okay. and is that kind of the only reason, or like since you've used it, it's an easier way to manipulate the audio and just kind of get what you want out of it? I suppose. I mean, maybe I don't know. There's, it's, I to me, I, well, I was also like with uh, Reason and FL, they both had arrangement view as well. It, session view is unique to Ableton, I'm pretty sure. I, maybe Bitwig. Maybe, I think Bitwig also has session view, but I'm not, not sure. I've never used Bitwig. I don't know. I don't know Bitwig. I don't know that at all. It's like an offshoot of Ableton. Like some of the developers from Ableton went off and did their own thing. Um, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's a, um, yeah, it's sort of a niche software, but has some cool flexibilities. Yeah. I suppose it's their kind of opportunity to rewrite what they didn't like about Ableton. Start again in a way. Fresh yeah. I, I mean, I guess so. I haven't actually tried it. I had a, a buddy who, um, who was who told me about it a long time ago uh and he was really into it but i i don't know anytime anytime somebody throws something new at me that's like a completely different thing it has to really grab me for me to be like okay i'm gonna dedicate lots of time to learn how to do this 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you on that one. Like, if you're going to change your workflow, it's got to be worth it in the long run if you're going to invest that time. Right. Because there's always like little things that people throw at you, like, oh, this new plugin does this a little bit different or it's a little bit faster. Like, but I've I got to go read through the manual and, you know, Ableton's an 800 page manual. I don't know if you ever read that manual. The Ableton manual? Yeah. No, I've never read it. I just oh. opened it up and started fiddling around and worked out what I needed to do. I'm sure there's a ton in Ableton that, well, I know there's a ton in Ableton that I haven't got a clue about. It's a, yeah, it's like a Lord of the Rings novel. It's, yeah, <laughs> there's like, there's a lot in there. And I mean, most, like, it, I was telling my buddy, it's, it's, if you used Ableton for a long time, it's sort of like reading a ultra detailed instruction manual on how your dishwasher works. But because <laughs> like so much of it's like, yeah, okay, I know what the space bar does. I know what the solo button is. But the, like there if you go through there's so there's so many little tiny details. I went through uh read well, I'm currently still reading through it. I'm like at near the end, but I've just been writing down little pieces of information of like, oh, that's new. Save that, save that. So collecting that and going through that probably will make that into a video for my YouTube channel. That's a good idea. Yeah, nice little free tips, that kind of thing. Um, so, um, so what version of live are you on now? Are you upgraded to 11? Oh, you betcha. L 11 is 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 so good. I'm loving 11. I'm, I'm on the uh, the beta team, so I got 11.1. .1. Oh, so nice. Like, There's a couple of changes that are a little bit weird in 11.1, .1, but... Um, it's optimized for the M1 Max and the M1 Pro, so I'm waiting for my computer to come in. So, be. Have you just ordered one of those? Oh yeah, I am ready for that thing, dude. That thing is a monster. Have you seen some of those tests online, like on what they've been? Oh, dude, it's just. Yeah, I've seen some of those. They're just, it's insane. <laughs> it's it's crazy. crazy the power that they, that they that they've got. So what what you took me through your rig now? What are you running now? Like from interface to laptop to you know go as deep as you want well i'm not on a laptop right now like i am on a 27 inch imac from 2018 uh it's i7 24 gigs ram two terabyte hard drive um interface universal audio arrow when they would still call it the arrow before they changed it to the solo it's essentially the same thing just a gray version of it and um I mean, this microphone's the Rode NT1. I think it's, yeah, I think it's the NT1A. I, I don't know. I'm not a big microphone person. I just use this for, you know, calls and <laughs> and recording for YouTube. And I've got a pair of Mackie XR624s, which are basically just six inch monitors. I love those. These monitors are great. Um, but, and, and then I've got a, um, I've got an, a, Alesis keyboard. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's just 49 keys. Like, it's like super cheap. Like I basically, I, I just, I just use it so I could remember how many semitones down is one note from another note. So I just count them out. <laughs> that's, it's just a really expensive way to do that. But that's, that's what I use it for. Sweet. So do you have, so do you ever play in on that keyboard? No, I, I mean, like it's, if, if I were to play in, on this, like, usually if I'm, like, trying to, like, mess around and sort of try to figure something out, maybe, but it's so, I mostly draw everything in. Right. That's just, that's usually what I'm doing. I, it's, it's a whole nother skill set to have to be able to play your, play your notes in. You know, it's like, and that takes time and, and, and I mean, I, I think if I were to put time, time into something i'd really want to put time into post-production and mixing like because i don't think like that's where i see that the biggest advantage for me but that's that's just me and what i do like there's i know plenty of guys who really value being able to improvise ideas on the keyboard which is great yeah absolutely but it's a different like you say it's a different way of working different workflow different style of writing all of those things that's right um, so, so talk me through your process when you're creating something. How do you start? How do you kind of get your ideas flowing? And then, uh, then, then you know, how does that finish? How do you deliver that to Cymatics or whoever it is that you're working for? 
Oh, you mean like like are you talking about like writing music or designing samples or because those are like two two way different things. They're like cool. Yeah, let's talk about both of those. Let's do you know take it away whichever you prefer first. <laughs> okay, for sure. So writing music is is normally when I'm coming in thinking like I just heard a song that I really like and I want to do something like that. So I'll go, I'll go grab that song, throw it into Ableton, and sort of adjust all of the parameters in the project to match the reference track and then i'll try to build something around that so i've got like my collections tabs got a bunch of samples in it so kicks snares synths vocals effects and then extra cool loops so i'll, I'll just start throwing stuff in there and then and then i'll start sound designing around that specific idea and then whether it's the intro or the drop, it's usually usually the drop that I start with. I make mostly EDM. Um, it's usually the drop I'm starting with, and then I'll just build everything else out around that. Um, and yeah, and that's how I start ideas. But for the sound design stuff, it's usually like based on a brief. You know, like there be uh, like for for instance, I'm working on a hyper pop pack right now for echo soundworks so we have a playlist of all these different hyper pop tunes which is sort of the sound font that we're going for so i'm like okay i need to make some leads uh lead presets and serum so i go and listen to all these different tunes and go okay let me focus in on that lead in that song go in replicate that save it make about three or four different versions of that same lead and then move on to the next song and do that and all all the way down the line for kick drums kick drum samples snare drum samples um uh, drum loops basses 808s like all the all the different elements just sort of piecemealing them out and then designing them in in ableton but yeah both come from inspiration i guess that's the commonality yeah yeah that's really interesting because I have almost no, well, I have no experience in creating samples or the sound design stuff. So it's really, really cool to hear the way that you work. Um, so do you start with, you know, let's take, I don't know, let's take you're making a kick drum sample. Do you take a sample that exists and manipulate it? How do you get the sound, if that makes sense? Uh, well, it, it depends on, it depends on what the sound is, right? So most, most sounds, um, I mean, yeah, most sounds are generated. Like sometimes I'll layer in different sounds together. If I needed something that sounds a little bit more natural, like what well, we have like a bunch of uh, uh, presets that are sort of recorded as sort of source material that will layer, process, print, reprocess, layer, and sort of, you know, expand that out into whatever we need. But most of the time it's generated straight from a synthesizer, like Operator, it's a great for making snare drums. Uh, there, uh, there's kick, you can make kick drums in Operator. Um, any synth that can generate some clean sine waves and noise, you can make all the drums that you need. And just, it's just a, a matter of, uh, of just grabbing all the all the exact pieces it's it's actually funny on my youtube channel which is called the productive producer uh i have a, a video on this exact thing today just the, the the elements of a stair drum the transient the body and the tail and texture so i go through each of those things and how you can swap them out in interchangeably like find a transient that you like in a drum that you like if it pops then it's probably got a good transient then swap that out with a body of another sample and then a tail from a clap or uh, or something else and just add reverb to it and you've and then compress it all together saturate it control the transients with a transient shaper and you've got a clean sounding completely unique snare drum and that's the sort of the at at the basis for for every type of drum like the like a kick drum is just a sine wave that pitches down really really fast so it's like goes up for like four octaves down four octaves in a fraction of a fraction of a second and it gives it that punch which you know it <laughs> chances are it'll sound pretty pretty digital if you do it like that but then if you layer in maybe a hi-hat on top of that then run it through a saturator 
then a tape machine, like a digital tape emulator. Then it starts to sound more like an actual kick. But you're just sort of replicating those real world things. And then obviously synth synthesis. Like, I don't know if you do much designing your own sounds or presets or anything, but nope. um, no, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole nother beast. Yeah. Sweet. And so how did you get into that? I suppose. How did you kind of like making samples and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I got an email from Steven from Cymatics, one of the founders. He just emailed me one day and said, Hey, I like your music. Do you want to work for Cymatics? I just graduated Icon. I didn't have a job in music. And I said, why, well, yes, Steven, I would like to work for Cymatics. And that just, and, and then like, then it started with just like, okay, we need you to make this. And I'm like, okay, how do I do that? Then I was like, okay, let me figure this out. So I go like trial error, make a bunch of crappy samples. And then they pick, these ones aren't good. We like these ones. Okay, what did I do for those ones? Okay, those ones worked. Why did they work? Just keep working on those. And then just, uh, and then also uh, just over time, uh, learning from other producers too, when they would come, you know, come into the studio, we'd work together like, oh, you should try this on your kicks. Like if it works on samples it, that are already made, then it'll work on samples that I'm currently making. So um, just like mixing techniques and sound design techniques that, um, you know, you just accumulate over time. So I just got, I got into it just be, just by happenstance, by luck. Yeah. And then you sort of grown into that, you know, like anything you start doing it, you learn more, you get better at it. Yeah. Sweet. And how long, have, how long have you been doing that for then? In February, it'll be five years. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Nice long time. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. And I want to keep doing it for a long, like a really long time. It's like something that, that is a um it's sort of fun you can just you can just get in the zone and like make i mean that all this what i've been doing all week from when i wake up it early in the morning all the way until night is just working on this pack and you can just zone in block off that section of your day and just go deep into just working on sound after sound after sound and it's just i don't know i i love doing it it's great yeah yeah sounds really creative and just like a yeah great thing to do sweet um do you have any plugins that you uh sorry ableton stock plugins that you recommend that you use a lot a lot that you use often in your in your workflow well let me check my ranking here <laughs> but, well if you want to look at my ranking, my ranking is obviously EQ8 is number one, Saturator is number two, and then Amp is number three, Frequency Shifter is number four, and Tuner is number five. Um, I could probably say that yes, those are my those are my go tos. Frequency Shifter is just so good for sound designing stuff it's, and altering the tonality of your drums too. It's just it's such a slept on tool. Everybody thinks like, oh, it's just for dubstep, but you can you can use it for so many cool different things. Um, just don't put it on your your bass lines or anything that you want to maintain the tonal integrity of. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah, those are my those are my top five. Nice. And do you use those every time or just as and when, I guess? Um Amp, I don't use every time. Um, it, EQ and Saturator, I'm using every time, pretty much. Uh, utility, I'm using almost every time. I have like a default audio and MIDI track, which comes with compressor, a uh, phase inversion preset of the utility. So I can check the phase. And then a Saturator, because almost everything. <laughs> I saturate almost everything. But um, yeah, I think amp i don't use every time like when i'm making like bass music like dubstep style type stuff i'm using amp everywhere because it just adds that extra bit of crunch to your bass lines that you can't really you can't really get that from the saturator or overdrive it's just too harsh and aggressive so you can you just dial it in just right with the amp so i like that one nice okay sweet uh and then any third party plugins that you that you use 
Uh, Serum for sure. Serum is by far my most used plugin, and it's not even close. I mean, I just I I use it all the time. Um, another one I I've been really getting into Thermal by Output. Really like that plugin. It's so uh, it's I mean it's so cool for sound design purposes. Um, Soothe Two is another one I really really like. Um, let's see. I've been using Micro Shift from from Sound Toys. That one's great, um, and obviously Pro L two, like Pro L two, Pro L two, and Golfos. Those are. Uh, I understand that that was a lot of plugins, but yeah, those were yeah. those are the ones I use a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mostly don't know any of those as well. So, can you give us a bit more detail on on, on them, on some of them? Soothe two is a dynamic resonance suppressor. It is the cheat code. Get like Black Friday's coming up. It's gonna be on sale. Put that one at the top of your list. It it, it is for all genres of music. It's it basically is a uh, it detects harsh resonant frequencies in whatever signal it's you put it on, and you can adjust how how quickly or how much those resonances are reduced. So it works as a deesser as well as a um, as a comp uh, sidechain compressor. So you could throw throw Soothe on your your instrument bus, your instrument group, and then route that sidechain signal to your lead vocal. So your lead vocal, only the frequencies that your lead vocal occupies, let's say that, I mean, just for simplicity's sake, it mostly occupies the one or the 250 to 300 range just it it will only duck that part out of your instrument bus when your vocals present and it's so you keep all the other information but the vocal remains focused yeah so only the frequencies from your vocal are reduced from your instrument bus when that vocal is present so when the vocal stops singing it goes right back up so oh man it's yeah. a cheat code and, and it's got like a built-in de-esser it's really cool sound design stuff it's it's kind of expensive it's like 200 bucks but it's um which i don't know how much that is in pounds like i know it's like probably less for you the, guys yeah i don't know the conversion rate at the moment it's all over the place I think it's probably like like <laughs> one like 1. 1.3 or something but anyways yeah black friday's coming up definitely get that one and uh i'm fab filter pro l2 you probably know about that one yeah yeah I know that one's that one's a yeah. great one. And then, um, I mean, what are you? Micro Shift is just sort of like a stereo imaging tool. It's like, just kind of like a uh, a gimmicky thing. I, I just like it. I use it a lot. And then Thermal is just a distortion distortion unit that, which everybody's got a distortion unit, but this one is like, it's just different. It's just, it's a lot different. It's all I, I would be doing a disservice trying to explain it on a podcast. You should just go check it out. It's by output. And you can get it on, um, you could try it for free for like three days on Splice. Um, and then do, uh, it also is rent to own if you'd rather just pay $10 a month until you pay it off. Oh, right. So kind of like the Slate Digital model, but you eventually own it. Yeah. Oh, that's clever. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll have to check. I'll have to check those out. The Slate Bundle's got the Kilohertz stuff in it, right? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah, the Transient Shaper from Kilohertz is another one that I use a lot too. That it's such a good Transient Shaper. Yeah, the Kilohertz stuff is is really really good. I, Super I use powerful. That. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think just the Slate stuff in general is 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 really really good. I'm I'm I've used more that like uh, virtual mix rack. The kind of vintage emulation stuff is what I've used a lot more, and that's I just think that's great. What type of music do you make? So I mostly I'm a drummer, is my main thing, and I use Ableton out live to run tracks, and uh, kind of house electronic drums and program changes in those. Okay, cool. Yeah. So and and that obviously you know lends itself to pop music, so that's what I kind of find myself doing the most really. It's kind of pop tracks. So yeah, I really, this is why I was so interested to speak to you because it's such a different use of Ableton to what I know and use. Like 
I don't use Ableton in my studio. I use Logic because I'm handling audio yeah. and recording drums all the time. Whereas like, you know, you're using it to, to manipulate the sounds and deep dive on sound creation essentially, which is something I have never really gotten into. It's you know? a, Ableton is is so it's so crazy because it's built for exactly what you're doing but they go so far into the creative tools like max for live is unbelievable the stuff yeah that, the stuff that's in there is just insane and then all of all of the packs that come with uh with ableton everybody complains like oh ableton's so expensive i'm like dude if if these other daws gave you half of what ableton gave you they would charge way more it's there's so much in here and I, the only, my only gripe with ableton is that it looks like microsoft excel That's yeah i quite i think maybe i was gonna say i quite like that but i think maybe actually i've learned to like that <laughs> it's like because i spend so much time you know deep diving on there and it i like the fact that it's quite clean and square because when i'm writing in my automation maybe it i don't know makes my brain feel like it's having a nicer time i don't know but I, I i do know what you mean yeah well i live life on the grid too like i love the grid and getting everything locked in locked in place but i think that's probably what what drives a lot of people away is they look at all of the buttons and all of the options and they just go oh i can't i can't do it and logic is like garage band but next level up so people are already if they were in garage band they which was where a lot of musicians start nowadays too, is they start with GarageBand because it's free and it's on your Mac. So it cracks me up too when people buy a Mac because they want to get into music and that's why they buy the Mac. <laughs> that's the most expensive way to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Man. But yeah, I but yeah. I think Ableton, I don't, I don't necessarily think that Ableton needs to get more people to use it because I think everybody... <laughs> Like everybody's using it in some capacity, it seems like there's more tutorials and uh, and assets and information about it than any other DAW on online. But I don't know. I think for me, when I started with it, it was, you know, it was so overwhelming the amount of stuff that you could do with it. It was like it's like limitless. So so you don't know where to start. Yeah. So the first time I opened it, I pretty much closed it straight away because I was like, well, what's the point? <laughs> like, I haven't, got, I haven't got a chance. And then, you know, like you said, there's so much information out there on the web once, on YouTube particularly. Uh, that's where I've, you know, I've taught myself how to use Ableton. So once I kind of started diving into that and you find the videos on the things that you're interested in and it's all there. Yeah. You know, you just got to invest the time if, if you want to. And, you know, listeners of the podcast obviously all use Ableton or maybe they're interested in Ableton in some capacity but I think there's something in Ableton for everyone no matter what music you make or how you use it in the studio or out of the studio or out live you know I think it's just a, a such a great DAW for that for everything so, yeah. I, so I'm curious if if your if your main DAW is Logic what prompted you to do an Ableton podcast from getting into running uh, uh, running backing tracks live, that was where Ableton kind of started for me. So I, I got a, it was with my own band actually. I, we just decided we were going to run tracks one day. Uh, and it was literally just like, we need a synth and a tambourine. All right. I could, uh, so I was like, right, fine, get into Ableton. Um, and then the deeper I got, I was like, oh, you can, I can, I can run my drum electronics through this and turn things on and off throughout the song. So I can have a sample on my snare that doesn't, it's not there in the verse and then it appears in the chorus and then it's gone again. So that's kind of what prompted my use of Ableton. And actually my, the podcast is actually, th this podcast has been established for a while, but hosted by somebody else. And Kevin put a uh, sort of, update episode out asking if anybody was keen to take over and I just sort of jumped at it I was like yeah I want to talk to people about Ableton I want to know how people work so yeah that's kind of how I ended up here really um yeah that's awesome I mean you get to 
I, like you were saying, there's so many different use cases for Ableton. I'm sure it's like you you'll learn so much from a bunch of different people that you talk to and like cool little tricks and stuff like that. I, it's, yeah, it's a great opportunity. I'm finding out about new 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 plugins and stuff to use, like new ways of working. You know what what not to do. I'm sure I'll learn a lot of that, <laughs> that kind of thing. You know, so yeah, you know, it's just like for me, I, I was just a fan of the podcast, so I was like, okay, cool, yeah, let's keep this thing going, and I can keep learning as well. So that's that's always the goal for me, really. So that's great, man. Yeah. So when you open up Ableton, do you have like a preset session? I know you talked about preset tracks. Do you just have like a you know, okay, I'm going into to make some samples, open up the session, and you're just ready to go. Oh yeah, yeah. I, for me, having a template if you produce in Ableton is crucial, especially if you work a lot in Ableton. Because if you work a lot in Ableton, or in any DAW for that matter, you're gonna have to be doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. So, I have, I have a template that I. I, every quarter I go in and I revise it. I make adjustments based on things that I notice, new techniques that I learn. I'll like, uh, yeah, over time, my template has evolved into what it is right now. And it will continue to evolve as I change the style. Like if I, like for instance, I'll change the default BPM. I'll change the colors of the different tracks. So it feels different. And, and I can, when I go back to those, songs uh like years later i could tell when i made them just by the <laughs> the way it's all oriented yeah but like like i used to have all of my synths grouped in one group now i have them all in separate like all separate channels and then i group them as i needed as needed because i've discovered recently that if you run too much signal through one group it starts to get crushed and you lose a lot of loudness and clarity, which I didn't know, which- No, I didn't uh, know that either. So yeah, so I, I was like, okay, gotta make note of that. So when I realized that pulling things out of the group made them jump out and feel a lot louder and more present, I was like, okay, now I need to make sure that I'm prioritizing those lead elements in my song. So that's one thing that I did. So I, I yeah, I've got all my, my side chain routing, like my, I've got a pre-master channel that, that compresses the highs and mids and then um then routes that to my master channel so my lows my sub are untouched and i can uh and my drums maintain their transience and punchiness without going through the compressor that everything else goes through so um, those are just little things but over time like i've added these like one by one and changed this and move that over here like i've got my my kick and snare in separate channels now apart from the rest of my drums which i didn't use to have that i had them all in the drums folder but for edm the kick and the snare need to be the loudest punchiest thing so i've got those separated now but um but yeah like i mean the way that i make music is is going to be different than than a lot of other people's because edm is supposed to be so aggressive loud and that's the entire point. So, um, so, so yeah, just everything that all the stuff that I've been doing is to reflect that in my template. So, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a lifesaver, you know, you can, and especially too, I've, I work collaboratively on a tech house project with one of my buddies and we built a template that's got, uh, cause tech house is like the drum pattern is that's it's the drum pattern it's four on the floor kicks and there's a snare on the two and the four and there's open hats in between each of those beats so we've got the entire song structured out in midi with drum racks on them with all the drum samples that we like and i've got i've got a, a selector mapped so i can just cycle through all the drums that are already pre-selected i've already curated all of them so uh just going into the the template all of our drums are pretty much done i just need to select the ones that i like and then i'll it, and i use session view for this i'll have like a bunch of like for all the stuff that's different like the closed hat patterns and shaker patterns and stuff i'll have all of those in session view that i can go and reach in grab hit tab go to session view grab one of them and then hit tab again and drop it into arrangement view and i've got all of these like like 20 different 
closed hat patterns, uh, shaker patterns, that sort of thing. And those are already already set up and ready to go too. So it makes producing a lot faster. Yeah, you you're kind of you can stay in the creative flow of it and just get get going. So do you always start with drums when you're doing the techno stuff? Sometimes. I mean, well, it, it, it just depends on where, I wouldn't say all the time because it's never exactly the same all the time, but if I'm starting and I don't really have a, like a clear direction of like exactly what I want to do, then I'm probably going to be starting with a kick drum and a snare and just laying that out. So I'll start, I'll start with a kick drum on the one, put the snare on the three for four bars and then fill in the kicks where I want them spaced. Then usually put in like a simple hi-hat pattern and start building everything else around that. Nice, cool. Yeah, I suppose I asked that because like, you know, you're, you've are you created that preset to kind of get started. And it sounds like the drums was the kind of like basis for that. But I suppose inspiration comes from anywhere, right? You could have a, you could have a lead line in your head and start with that or something. Yeah, well, I mean, the tech house stuff, like I was telling you, is like the you don't really get much creativity. Uh, or I mean, I guess with house in general, it's just you get the drum pattern and that's the drum pattern. Unless you really want to change it, like house is gonna ha- is gonna be four on the floor kicks ninety nine times out of a hundred. And if it, if it deviates from that, it really doesn't. It's really not house anymore. It's breakbeat or halftime, whatever. It's it, house is defined by that. So. If we're making house, we have those drums already established. And that's that's by design. But like anything else, I'll yeah, I'll start with just kicking the snare and build around those things. Yeah. Sweet. Um tell me more about your YouTube channel. Um, so the YouTube channel is called The Productive Producer. Um, I've been doing it every single week for uh, almost two years in January it'll be two years that I've been doing doing the channel um, it is something I wanted to do to to help other producers um, with a focus in uh, productivity and efficiency because I think that's something that producers I mean I was it's funny I was just in a discord this morning that some someone brought up the uh, um, <laughs> the uh, conversation of how to stay motivated how do i f- stay motivated to make music but if you want to be a pro you can't rely on motivation so that's my whole that was my whole thing like i wanted to make things feel easy streamlined and um and get out get producers out of this mindset that they have to feel you know all warm and fuzzy inside every time they make music you know sometimes you just have to sit down and do the work. If you know, if you're not, even if you don't feel like it, you might even start to feel like it after you sit down and do the work. You know, you might make something cool and then you then it changes. Like, oh, now I like what I'm doing. But um, I don't know if you ever uh, read the book uh, by Stephen Pressfield called "The War of Art." Have you ever read that book? No, I haven't. Highly recommend that that book. It is a. I read that book once a year, every single year since I started it, um, and that was the sort of catalyst for my YouTube channel. I was like, "What could I offer to YouTube that's different than what other people do? Everybody else can do tutorials, but what can the through line of my channel be? Productivity, efficiency, doing the work. That's where. Yeah. So that's where. Yeah. That comes in. Um, yeah. Just. Yeah, new video every single Friday, um, usually either 10 a.m. Central Time. I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee, so um, Central Time for me. And that's when you can expect the videos. It's nice. I'm going to have to check that out because I think productivity is one of the most under undervalued things. If you can if you can streamline your process, you will be more creative and you will, you will do more. You will get more done. And you'll be better. The guy who makes a hundred songs is going to be way better at at the end of his one hundredth song than the guy who spent the other guy who spent that entire time just working on that one song. Yeah, yeah, totally. You make a hundred songs, even if they're not even that 
great. You're still going to have so many, you've encountered so many problems and challenges throughout all of those songs that you're, you're going to be way better off and you're going to be, you're going to be way, way more skilled and experienced. That's what, that's what so many producers, they think, I don't want to just force it. I don't want to half-ass my music. I want to take my time and be thorough, but it's, it's not, it's not about just finishing a song just to get it done. You want, like, there's only a certain point, like you can only get to like a certain amount to where like probably the, probably like the first day and a half of writing a song is going to be where you get to 80% and then like another two weeks just to get the extra 10%, which is like the mixing and the mastering and the, oh, dial it, send it to this person to get some feedback, take it to the car. All that's just for 10%. And even then it's at only at 90% complete per, or perfection or whatever. Yeah. No music is perfect or it's done. You could show it to somebody and they it's isn't that funny too when you show your music to somebody and they go, Oh my gosh, this is so good. They're, you're like, now oh, they're probably just saying that. Like, I know all the flaws. But then somebody says, Oh, there's a bunch of flaws, and you're like, damn it, there's a bunch of flaws. I didn't even think about those flaws. <laughs> it's it's so funny how like how how we romanticize the process like this, but it's really like for musicians for a job, the guy, the electrician who shows up to work doesn't get bent out of shape if somebody's like, I don't like the way that you did this electrician work. You're like, well, tough shit, dude. This is my electrician work. You know, the guy, and he doesn't take that home with him, but us musicians, we like, oh man, he didn't like it. Because so it's so personal, right? It's like you're kind of, you're expressing yourself. So ultimately we take it as a criticism on ourselves. And like removing, you know, removing the artist from the art is kind of something worth doing, but it's not always possible. And I, I like, I've certainly clung to songs for too long and it's just like, just let it go, man. Do you ever watch, are you familiar with the show South Park? Uh, sort of. I have watched a few episodes, yeah. Okay, so you know, you know the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. know how they make that show? Oh, don't they do it in the week? Yeah, they do an entire episode in six days. Yeah. A whole episode where it takes like the Simpsons months and months and months to do a whole season. These guys, they do the entire show in six days and then jump to the next one. And the guy, the creator, he said this it, and it it's stuck with me for so many years. He's like, look, if we didn't have this deadline, I would never get any of these shows done because I would always be going back, second guessing the jokes, being like, oh, maybe that's not that funny. Maybe we could just do it a little bit better this way. And all like, and it would take five times as long just to get five or 10% improvement. So it's such so, so, a point. It's not worth it, right? Well, yeah, it's be like, it's better that you just put it, it's in the can and you move on to the next thing. Like you want to have a library of music when you're done. You don't want to put all your eggs in just like one or two baskets of like, well, these are these are my 10 songs I made in my lifetime. I want to make I want to make a thousand songs in my lifetime. I want to make 10,000 songs in my lifetime. I want to do that. Like that's where I want to be. I want to be I want to be to the point where I could show people all the different types of stuff that I've done and 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 look back to like imagine when you're when you're 80 and you go through your library of all of your music how good is that gonna feel when you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs to listen to and that that's how that's gonna transport you through like your entire musical journey as opposed to the album that you spent your whole life working on yeah that's, yeah, that's such a cool perspective. And just to have that kind of zoomed out view, right? That like, it's not, we get so focused on what we're doing right now, we get trapped in it. And actually it's just like, you know, try and see the, the broader perspective. Totally. Yeah. Plus making yeah. music is fun. Yeah, you know? it is, yeah. It's, <laughs> the only time it becomes not fun is when you spend so much time on a song. That's when it's just like, oh, this song again, I've learned. I, I, that's, I, I'm totally guilty of when I finish a song, I listen to it 
so many times that I hate it afterwards. And I'm like, I hope I never hear this song again until I go and listen to it like a year or two later. And it's like, oh, oh it come, you know, come out with fresh ears, like completely fresh ears. There's like, you know, fresh ears of a week, but then there's fresh ears of years, which is very different. And it's not, I always like looking back and being like, oh yeah, I remember how we did that. I remember how we came up with that part or like, those things it's, like you say it's kind of like a nice snapshot in, of like memories yeah that's cool yeah um, cool man um, so where can people find you online to check out what you're doing uh, my YouTube channel I don't really post on social media anymore um, I uh, I'm, I mean I might soon I don't know I'm I'm really anti social media uh the principles unless something like unless something changes or i have some way to uh like a strategy behind it i don't ever want to be using social media flippantly um so yeah my youtube channel uh you can join my discord uh i've got my uh, productive producer discord i'm in there every single day so um there's a couple of guys in there like regulars sharing music in there uh offering feedback um, and, and I'm really active in responding there cause it's more of a personal connection, which I like. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's sweet. That's pretty much it. Yeah. YouTube and the discord. Nice. Um, cool. And then I'll just give you the space now to kind of promote anything that you got going on that people should be on the lookout for. Um, echo Soundworks. We are, uh, we're heading into black Friday. I don't know when this episode is going to come out, but, uh, Black Friday's in a couple weeks. We are dropping two packs, and they are going to be sick. I've been, yeah, we've been going in on these things. One of them is going to be a bass house pack, and the other one's going to be a hyper pop pack, and the sounds we got in these things are crazy. So definitely echosoundworks.com. Uh, go check that those out when they drop. Also, the Roses pack, which is a slap house pack that we, uh, that we put out over the summer, super good as well. Wicked. Cool, man. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. Of course, bro. Thanks for having me. No, it's been it's been great. I've, it's really interesting to talk to somebody who does Ableton in such a different way. It's like, yeah, it's quality. Yeah, man. It's a it's all about expanding the perspective. I love what you're doing with this podcast. I think it's great. Oh, thanks, man. Really, really appreciate that. Really appreciate that. <laughs>